If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie with one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Jew or Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Lord, as we hear your word and as we examine it, we pray that you would speak to us what you would have us here tonight. And Lord, that you would remind us that as your body, as your people, as those who've been baptized, we are hidden in your son with him on high. Help us to see that, Lord. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, good evening and welcome again to St. Bartholomew's. My name is Chris Myers. I'm the associate rector here. Uh, Jay will be back next week. He's been taking some time off the last few weeks. So things are getting back to normal. Summer's ending. I know school is starting up soon for some, some people, and we've survived July, so congratulations. <laughs> Apparently it'll get cooler from here. I'm not so sure. So we've been looking the last few weeks at the book of Colossians at what Paul has to say to us through this letter this ancient letter and how it might speak something to us about where we live and the time that we live in. In the last couple of weeks, Paul's been at a very high level. He's been speaking to us sort of from the nosebleed section of his thoughts. He's been talking about Christ as the one who's preeminent over all things, the one through whom everything is made and the one for whom everything is made. So Paul is saying, Christ is the one that you have come from and he's the one that you are going towards. He is all and all. And last week he was talking in these cosmic terms about how we used to live in this old world, this old world according to the powers and principalities, according to what he called the elemental principles. And he called that living in the flesh. But he says you've been buried with Christ and raised with him so that you can walk in newness of life 
and to no longer live in that domain, but to live in the kingdom of God. And again, that's the story of the gospel, but where does it meet the road? How do we actually live out that reality? And that's what Paul is going to talk about to us today out of Colossians chapter three. And he's gonna give us one primary image to help us understand what it is to live in this new world, the kingdom of God versus the old world, the domain of darkness. And the image that he gives us is of clothing. What are you wearing? You used to wear this, now you're wearing that. And it's interesting because some of us may not think about clothing that much at all and some of us think about clothing a lot, but clothes are very, very important. Um, They say all sorts of things about us. And we have all sorts of sayings or little proverbs associated with clothing like dress for the job you want, not the job you have which says something like, hey, my clothing speaks something about who I want to be in the world or who I am in the world. Um, We have a police officer out there. We know he's a police officer because he has a uniform on. His clothing says something about who he is, his identity. And presumably, if you saw me out in public in my collar, like, I'm in emergency need for prayer. I'm going to go talk to that guy because the clothing that I'm wearing says something about my identity. And Paul is saying, yes, that's exactly right. So I want you to think about Oscar night, and I want you to think about all the celebrities and all their finest clothing. And I want you to think about the question that the entertainment journalist, which is like an oxymoron, asks them. Right? What's the question that they ask them? Who are you wearing? What an interesting question. Oh, I'm wearing Gucci. I'm wearing Versace. I'm wearing Oscar de la Renta. And those different designers have a different look about them, a different way of doing things. And that's the question that I want to put before us tonight because it's the, Paul, the question that Paul is asking. Who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? Look at verses nine and 10 of Colossians chapter three. He says, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self like a garment with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who are you wearing? You could be wearing this old self or you could be wearing this new self. Last week when Paul was talking about baptism, he used this, this really strong word of stripping, that something has to be stripped off in order that something else can be put on. And that thing that has to be stripped off is the old self, what we might call the old humanity, what Paul calls in Romans and other places, Adam, that Adam identity. See, we tend to think about this in individual terms, that it's me and my flesh. And it's not less than that, but it's more than that. It's this collective reality that we've all sort of put on a way of being in the world, a way of being complicit with and enslaved to the powers and elements, the things that have actually been defeated in Christ. And that is why there's even the possibility of a new self. Because as we heard last week, Jesus has vanquished these enemies. He's put them, as Paul says, to open shame and he has paraded in front of them in victory. So the old self is the old humanity. It's what we might call flesh, but don't think of it as body. Think of it as those impulses within us that align with that old order, that old way of doing things. And that the new self, the one that he talks about here, the one that is being renewed is our baptismal identity. It's new clothing and it gives us a new status and it calls us into being a new humanity. And I want you to focus on the word in verse nine that he uses for the old self. He says the old self with its practices, its way of doing things, its habits. 
you put those clothes on and you want to act a certain way, right? You put a certain pair of sweatpants on and all you want to do is watch Netflix and eat ice cream, right? The pants tell you everything about what's about to happen, okay? You're not going to go to North Park in those pants. You're just sitting on the couch in those pants. There's practices that go along with the clothing. If you're clothing yourself in the old self, the practices that go along with that are the ones that he lists here. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And the thing that, ha- that all of those have in common is that they're about misdirected appetites and desires. Lust, greed, covetousness, it's all about wanting something that you can't have or wanting something to a level that you shouldn't have it or it's a disordering of desire and that is a practice of the old self. Those are practices of disordered desire and then the second list are practices of disunity. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. See, if I'm putting on the old self, everything is about me and fulfilling my appetites and the the way that I see the world and the way that things should go. And if that's how I live my life, then people are one of two things. They're either an object by which I please those appetites, or they're an obstacle that keep me from pleasing those appetites, right? I'm using them, and if they're not willing to be used in the way that I'd like them to be, then they suddenly become an obstacle, and what do I do? I get angry. I get wrathful. I I start saying bad things about them, right? So if we're putting on the old self, its practices lead us towards disordered desire. Its practices lead us towards treating other people as objects or obstacles. Last week we talked about this as the city of man. To use Augustine's language of the city of man and the city of God. The city of man is the place where desire is disordered and love is directed towards myself rather than towards God and towards others. So practices are, are so crucial to what Paul is saying. He's saying when you put on a certain suit of clothes, you are meant to act in a certain way and you've stripped off those old clothes, so stop acting like you're still wearing them. Stop those practices. And in the letter of Colossians, he's shown us two ways that these practices can go wrong. One is what we just saw, these disordered desires, this uh, impulse to treat others as objects or as obstacles But the other way is what we talked about last week, which is where we come up with a self-determined spirituality and a list of our own practices that get us towards God. And Paul says, no, those things have been stripped away too, and that those things are just as damaging as the other way, because they're both about the self. Me getting towards God or me getting what I want, those are disordered. Those are of the city of man. Those are the practices of the old self. Both are part of the old humanity and both need to be stripped away. Why? Because we're somewhere else now. Look at verse 11. Excuse me. Here, there is no Greek, no Jew, no circumcised and uncircumcised, no barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Why don't you look at that first word, here. Here, it's a location. It's a space that we've stepped into. It's, to use earlier language, a domain. We've stepped into a new world. And in this place, in Christ, in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light, or in the city of God, where love is directed towards God and towards others, 
all those markers of status are stripped away. No Jew, no Greek. And the list goes on. Now, there would be many ways to identify those groups of people, but one of the primary ways is by what clothing they were wearing, right? A slave wears certain clothes. A master wears different clothes. A barbarian doesn't wear many clothes at all. A Roman has a toga, right? Their clothing communicates something about their status. And what does Paul say? You've stepped into a new space where those things have been stripped away and you have new clothing and those markers of status are gone. Status is stripped away, ethnicity is stripped away, religious idolatry is stripped away. All the markers of the old humanity are stripped away so that you can put something else on. And again, we are left with these images of baptism. And I'd remind you of what the early church did during baptism services is that you would literally strip to mark that you were laying something down, that you were putting something off in order to put something on. You would go down into the waters and that you would come out and then you would be reclothed. We talked about last week that part of what baptism is is crossing a boundary from one kingdom into another. Just as Israel crossed out of Egypt towards the promised land by going through the Red Sea, just as Israel crossed over the Jordan out of the wilderness into the promised land, They've crossed a boundary. So think of the new space that we're in. Being in Christ is a new country. And there's new customs and there's new ways of being and there's new ways of practices and there's new clothing in this new country. What do we wear now if all these other things have been stripped away? The question rather is who do we wear? Verse 12, put on Christ. Christ is your clothing. He's the one that we identify ourselves with. He's the one that tells us what the new practices and the new language and the new way of being is in this new country that we've entered into. And there are a new set of practices that go with our new clothes. And he lists them in verses 12 through 15. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, Those are all relational words. If you have compassion, you're not treating a person as an object or an obstacle. You're treating them as a beloved one. If you have meekness, the same thing. If you have patience, patience requires that there's somebody there who's actually testing whether or not you are patient. For parents, that's called having a toddler, right? You might think you're patient until you have a toddler. Then then you know you're not, right? You're trying to grow into that. It's part of the practices and habits that go along with our new suit of clothes. Bearing with one another, when we have complaints against each other, we forgive each other. Again, these are relational things. These cannot happen in isolation. They have to happen in community. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is the virtue of virtues among this list. It's the one that makes all the other ones possible. The image here is really like a belt around the garment. It really pulls the outfit together, right? Love really pulls this new outfit together. And the way that N.T. Wright puts it is he says that the other virtues listed here, when they are pursued without love, become distorted and unbalanced, right? Love is the thing that makes them all fit together in harmony, that makes them proportionate, that makes them work. 
And then the peace of Christ. He's not just talking about me feeling good about my status in the world. He's talking about peace among the people of God. Again, our impulse is to read this as individuals, but he's talking about Christ's body. He's talking about his people. He's saying, let peace rule in your hearts as the people of God. So yes, my subjective sense of peace is important, but it's not as important as the bond of peace, the unity of love among the people of God. Then look at verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sounds a lot like church, right? We're getting together. We're hearing the word of God. We're teaching. We're having, we're encouraging, admonishment, exhortation, and we're singing together. And that there's something about that communal gathering together that teaches us what it is to be in this new country. The new practices that go along with the new clothing that we have in Christ. It is in the space of the church, not just here, but in pastorates when we get together with meals, when we see each other out and about. That's where we come together as a new humanity, and it's where we practice together the new customs and the new language of the new country that we live in. And here's the truth. That's really hard. Have you ever, have you ever been to a different country and tried to speak the language? trying just to order some food, trying to get a bed to sleep in. Even when somebody's trying to meet you in the middle, sometimes it's very difficult or you accidentally do something that to you is benign but ends up being rather offensive (laughs) to somebody else. It's difficult to be in a new country. So what Paul is saying is, yeah, we live in a new country. We're putting on this new self. We're, We're doing this together and we're learning to speak this new language with new customs and practices, but this is gonna take time. Right? You're going to throw Jews and Gentiles together? That's going to take time. Read the book of Acts. Galatians is all about that. A lot of the New Testament is about what happens when Jews and Gentiles get together. What happens when slaves and masters worship together? Read the book of Philemon. Things get challenged. Things get subverted. Things change. Because people who weren't ever together before are suddenly eating meals together, are suddenly trying to love each other, or trying to understand each other. So it takes time and it takes grace. We have to create an environment where we can stumble through learning this new language. The worst thing that can happen if you're trying to learn a new language is you try out a phrase and somebody laughs at you, (laughs) right? That doesn't make you want to try speaking that new language anymore. So we need to have an environment of grace. And that's what Paul is saying. We're doing this together. We're singing together. We're learning together how it is to be in this new country. It takes time. It takes grace. It's a process, and that process is messy. Look at verse 10 again. We've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Emphasis on the being renewed. Not yet totally renewed. The goal is for us to look like Jesus, the one who created us, the one who's permanent over all things, the one who died for us, the one who saved us, the one who makes us like himself, but we are being renewed in that image. As Paul puts it elsewhere, it's from one degree of glory to the next. Takes a long time to see that change. Transformation is rarely instant. 
If you decide tomorrow to, that you're gonna work out, that you're suddenly gonna become a bodybuilder, one workout is not gonna make a difference. But 10 might, and 20 certainly will, and 30, and if you keep going, transformation is rarely instant. So on the front of our bulletin, we have printed behold and become, and that's our mission statement. But really it should be beholding and becoming <laughs> because it's a process, because we are being renewed. And to be the people of God is to create the space where we remember that we can get tangled up in that old self sometimes. And some of us are tempted in particular ways toward that, and others of us are tempted in other ways. Some of us more struggle with the lust, some of us with the covetousness, some struggle with treating people as obstacles and we're angry with them. We can go through that list and we can find ourselves. I think each one of us can. And there's a temptation to go and put those old clothes on. Those are familiar clothes. I know how to wear these clothes. I know the language that goes with these clothes. But Paul is saying, no, you gotta wear your new clothes <laughs> because it's in those clothes that you are being renewed in the knowledge after the image of your creator. So again, we are left with the question, who are you wearing? Are you wearing the old self? Or are you wearing the new self? Are you wearing Christ? Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you um, again for your word and we thank you for the love of your son that makes it possible for us to be a new humanity where all those things that tangle us up and trip us up are stripped away. And Lord, we pray that St. Bart's would be a place um, where we can take the time it takes to be renewed and we can take the space that it takes to be renewed and that we can be bound together in love and we need your help. So we ask us, Lord, we ask that you'd fill us with your spirit and that you'd make us a community that looks like the one whom we wear, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.